This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. I'm flying solo today because my co-host AJ Scholes is not able to join the pod as he, his wife Jessica, and daughter Sydney are about to welcome a new addition to their family in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, headquarters for Rotowire, of course. And I'll remind you, AJ is a great follow at AJ Scholes24. Uh, before we kick off the rest of the show, I'll remind listeners that throughout each week, if you have any questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us, and we'll try to answer your questions during our next edition of podcast. Reminder that you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. Today, as I'm flying solo, a bit of a departure from the regular format. We're going to go a little more detailed in terms of the actual listings of the depth charts and the power play units for each of the teams with a commentary about what's happened to them in the past week. So we'll begin with the Anaheim Ducks. The layout of their top six is as follows. Sonny Milano on left wing, Ryan Getzlaff at center, Danton Heinen on the right side, Rickard Raquel, Adam Henrique, and Jacob Silverberg filling out that second unit. The notes that I have here on the top six are that Sonny Milano, offensive upside galore here, finally gets a chance to play top six minutes somewhere. And the same can be profiled for Danton Heinen. He is a guy who has been relegated to bottom six situations in Boston, of course, with the depth they have there. But both these guys should benefit from the fact that they're playing around one of the better puck distributors in the NHL and the veteran Getzlaff. On the defense, they have Matt Irwin and Josh Manson on the top pairing, Jacob Larson and Michael Delzato on that second grouping. I think the offensive upside here is with Manson and Delzato. The other two guys are just placeholders for when Camp Fowler and Campus Lindholm get back in the lineup uh, down the road after their stints on the IR. John Gibson, speaking of the IR, nicked up in the nets, and that means that Ryan Miller will be the go-to option, uh, the top go-to option here in Carolina. Anaheim and uh, Anthony Stollers is brought up from the minors. I know AJ's high on him and he finally gets a chance. I'd like to see him get a bit of a run here in a low stress situation just to see what they have going forward because you know vet, uh, veteran Miller is probably playing out the string on his career in the next coming weeks. 
in terms of the power play set up here in Anaheim, Milano gets a chance to show his wares, and so does Heinen on that top, group, top grouping. Sam Steele, a youngster with an offensive upside, is a depth forward here, but uh, the offensive steals are there, and that's why he's featured on the power play and the top grouping. Gets left. You know he's going to be a part of the mix, and they put him in a point position here to uh, kind of pilot the thing from the back end along with Michael Delzato on that top grouping. In terms of what's happening most recently for this club, Raquel has a goal and four assists, reaching the 40-point mark, now uh, listed as left wing on the second line, as we mentioned. Gibson suffered his groin injury last week, and the severity is unknown, and that's why Stolers is up just in case. Heinen, for his part, finally delivering some goods offensively, four points in seven games played. That has much more to do with a top six opportunity in regular minutes because this guy has been mired in the, as the bottom six in Boston for much of his career before coming here, so a new lease on life for him. Del Sato, we mentioned that he's working on the power play on the top grouping. I think that makes a lot of sense as he is blessed with uh, an abundance of offensive skills and you know the veteran has been around long enough that uh, he knows how to play this game at least at one end of the ice and that's kind of he's kind of been hidden in most circumstances in terms of the uh, bit of a defensive blips here and there uh, on the back end from time to time the Arizona Coyotes they are hoping that Taylor Hall stays uh, with them beyond this season but you don't know how that's going to turn out so they're hoping at least that he has a fine end of the year and a good playoff run in him to kind of sway him maybe in that regard he's playing alongside Christian Dvorak and Clayton Keller on that top line Keller a bit off of uh, the career season he had last year but still I think a really nice compliment to Hall and his skills the second group field fe- features Nick Schmaltz in the middle between Carl Soderberg and Phil Kessel. Soderberg, for his part, has been a center uh, as well from time to time, so an interesting look there, putting him on the left side. Um, looking to see if Derek Steppen might get a bit of a look here as a top six forward at some point. He's a good puck distributor at center as well, and the veteran is uh, possibly miscast in the third line role here, I'll say. The uh, defense is obviously led by Oliver ekman Larson. Look, when healthy folks, and he's uh, on, on his game, he's a very good offensive player. He's had a good run of late uh, in that regard to uh, boost his offensive totals to more uh, usual category uh, levels that we've seen in the past. Alex Goligoski, another guy who has an offensive uh, acumen, and he's had a nice year. Uh, acclimatizing himself to the life in Arizona after a a long run in Dallas. He's had a good time filling in on that second pairing alongside Nicholas Yalmerston. A pretty good-looking top four, with the exception of Ilya Lyubushkin, who's partnered with Ekman Larson, but that's more or less due to the fact that Jacob Chikrin is on the IR, and uh, Lyubushkin will be dropped down to third pairing minutes once Chikrin gets back and healthy. In the Nets, speaking of back and healthy, Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta split the load. Uh, It looks like they should split the load anyway, but Kemper's played the lion's share of the game since he came off the IR. I think they want to give him a good run and then probably they'll go back and forth with these guys to settle on one or the other before the postseason run i'm leaning on kemper in that regard in terms of the power play setup in arizona of course it revolves around taylor hall in that top line christian dvorak though a pretty good puck distributor and clayton keller another uh, good shooter on the right side so they have good offensive options there on that top grouping nick schmaltz who had a couple of goals in their loss last night is featured on the point on the second power play. Oliver Ekman-Larsen, of course, will handle the load in terms of being the power play quarterback. 
And in terms of recent notes, I did mention that Darcy Kemper started three of the last four stems coming off the IR. Oliver Ekman Larson, three points. Connor Garland sidelined with a lower body injury. They miss him and his feistiness. I compare him to a Brennan Gallagher of the Canadians, a guy who plays with his heart on his sleeve here uh, every night and uh, really showing more, me more offense than I thought he had in him. And speaking of more offense, Barrett Hayton is a guy that I think dynasty leaguers should be keeping an eye on he's getting top six minutes of late now with Kessel on the right side that should boost his offensive totals up next the Boston Bruins of course we know the Boston the Boston's top line uh, featuring the perfection line as they call them and it's hard to argue with anybody that uh, takes a shot at that because they are simply the best offensive group in the NHL when it comes to three forwards who play together on a regular basis, all having outstanding seasons, and Pasternak particularly in line for a run at the Rocket Richard Trophy, although veteran uh, Ovechkin and youngster Matthews in Toronto will have a say in that for sure. Nick Ritchie and David Krejci and Andre Kashe make up the second u- unit course two-thirds of that group came from Anaheim in a recent trade. Kasha for his part is a guy that I looked to light it up in Boston, but really having a bit of a tough time getting on track he's got one point in five games played for the bees in fact since he's arrived on the back ends Adeno Chara at 42 years old still pick playing top four pairing minutes partnered with Charlie McAvoy bringing the youngster along and insulating him because he's primarily known as an offensive defenseman obviously John Moore has been elevated to a second pairing situation here alongside Jeremy Lozon that's because Tory Krug and Brandon Carlo are both out of lineup that's a tough blow for the bees here it just seems that Tory Krug particularly can't stay healthy for any extended time and it's it's a shame because he's one of the top scoring defensemen when healthy in fact the goalie tandem Look, Tuka Rask really owes Yaro Halak uh, a tip of the cap here because they've almost split the net binding, and you know that when the postseason rolls around, a very well-rested Tuka Rask will man the nets for the Bees on a, what they hope is another long run. Uh, of late, they were 2-1 and one last week. We said uh, Carlo was out of lineup. He's l- l- dealing with possible concussion issues, so they're looking for John John Moore to be more of a placeholder in his absence uh, on uh, the shut in a shutdown role there. I did mention Kasha only one assist in five games is right way on the second line. Look, if he doesn't deliver the goods sooner or later, that role might be threatened. And Jacob DeBrusque, Jake DeBrusque is a guy I look at who might step in. The Buffalo Sabers up next there. Meyer, they were mired in a six-game losing streak before they took a 3-2 sh- shootout win last night. Linus Olmark receding for the victory. Oh, he stopped 33 of 35 shots. Olafson and Eichel getting the goals in regulation time. That snapped a pointless streak for Eichel at seven games. He's looking like a little bit down to me, folks, because uh, he came to grips with the, rea- the realization of a non-playoff finish. In fact, the story was that he stayed in uniform long after other players had left following a recent loss and uh, obviously wearing the the fact that this team is going to be out the, on the outside once again. It was a tough thing for him to handle on that evening uh, last week. Carter Hutton has been steady in the nets for them. He did take the night off last night. He allowed three goals or less in nine of his last ten starts, but giving way to Ulmark, probably a good thing here. They got to see what they have in terms of this tandem going forward. Hutton, uh, the much older of the two, and Ulmark, probably one of the goalies of the future here, getting a look in that regard down the stretch, in my opinion. Rasmus Dahlin, of course, he's a centerpiece for this team for years to come. Had a nice year, but couldn't stay healthy all the time. 38 points uh, in 58 games. He got a goal last night. 
in the shootout, a very nice play. And really, when healthy, you can project this guy to be a 50-point scoring defenseman, and that puts him in the upper echelon in the league. Jeff Skinner is back in the left wing uh, on the top line slot over Olafson. Probably a chance to spread the wealth here. Olafson, for his part, when healthy, has had a very nice rookie season. 41 points in 53 games for him in uh, this campaign. The Buffalo Sabres offense lines up as follows. They have Jeff Skinner at left wing, as I said, alongside Eichel and Reinhardt on that top grouping. The second line has been a bit of a problem here for me. I still think Marcus Johansson is miscast as a center. Victor Olofsson moving down. And Dominic Cahoon, an addition from the Pittsburgh Penguins in a recent trade, filling in on the top six here. Um, going forward, I'd like to see Wayne Simmons get a chance. And uh, Kyle Okpozo, they need a bit more of a physical presence here, but uh, more more like earning their salary in a Pozo's case is the bigger issue for me I guess overall Jimmy Vesey remember the hype around him as a Hobie Baker finalist and uh, still only a third line winger in the Buffalo mix on the back end I I also expected Colin Miller to produce more than he has offensively and he's partnered with Deline of late to see if he can get some of that offensive game out of him down the stretch Brandon Montour and Rasmus Ristolainen, an interesting pairing on the second grouping. Ristolainen, in fact, was in the doghouse to start the year, but as I've noted time and again, he's had a very nice year for the Sabres. The Carolina Hurricanes, they line up with mostly a European look among their top forwards. It looks like Svechnikov has had a sensational rookie season as a teenager. He's been partnered with Sebastian Ajo and Toivo Taravainen for much of the season, and you know that that dynamic duo is doing their bit to be almost point-per-game players when you look at their offensive totals year-to-date. Uh, the second grouping, Warren Fogel made a monkey out of me. I'll say uh, one of the few cases where I, it was a big miss in terms of my analysis, but he's been a fine addition and a physical presence on the top six here and a nice year offensively for him. Vinny Trocek recently arrived from Florida in a trade. I love the fit that he is on a second line. A good playmaking center and a guy who will get upwards of 50 points with regular health and a regular shift. Martin Netzcash, another youngster who's come from nowhere really to bolster that top six, and uh, he's got 36 points on his ledger year-to-date. On the back end, Joel Edmondson, Jacob Slavin, Hayden Fleury, and Brady Shea make up the compliment. And it's not as good as it could be, folks, when you consider the likes of Brett Pesci, Sammy Vatnin, and Dougie Hamilton all listed on the IR. And the IR troubles continue when you look at the goalie situation. Peter Mrazek nearing a return, but he and James Reimer both got injured in a game that memorable game memorable game against the Leafs a couple of weeks ago and uh, have given way to Anton Forsberg in the Nets here to carry much of the load of late. In terms of the Carolina power play, as you might expect, that European flavor continues on that top pairing with Zvechnikov and Aho playing left wing and center. But Justin Williams, a guy who is known as Mr. Game 7, will come playoff time, gets a look as a regular uh, installment on the right side of that top grouping. Slavin is the only defenseman here on the top power play with Toivo Teravainen moving back to the point position on that first grouping. In terms of what's happened in the past week for them, the, uh, the fact of the matter is they went 2-1. and one. Jake Gardner had a goal and an assist. That goal, in fact, was a game winner. Look, I'm going to highlight this guy positively from time to time, but he's been in my doghouse for a long while here and uh, has really not had a great season overall in Carolina. Uh, and, and fellow defenseman, I mentioned Hayden Fleury, had a nice week last week, three assists for him. And uh, up front, Ryan Zingle, we know he's been struggling 
much of the season to find his way. Can't seem to lock down a top six position here. I think he's a top six forward somewhere, and maybe that's not that's not going to be in Carolina ultimately and they'll have to deal with this issue but they also have to deal with the fact that he has an upper body injury right now in a season to forget and we mentioned Zvechnikov he reached the 60 point mark last week look at a fine year for the left winger on the on the top line and he's got to be in the mix when you talk about rookies of the year the Calgary Flames they are up next and uh, they are revitalized by the fact that Sean Monaghan has picked up his game of late he and Gaudreau, of course, manning the top unit. Elias Lindholm has been in the middle of those two guys from time to time, but now he's moved over to the wing. Andrew Mangiapane has had a very nice run of late and locked down a position among top six forwards here on the left side of that second line. Michael Backlund and Matthew Chachuk rounding it out. Chachuk, obviously the heart and soul of this team offensively and maybe even in the dressing room alongside Mark Giordano. The leadership cannot be questioned here. They have two of the better leaders in the game, in my opinion, in those two fellows. Giordano has actually brought out the best in T.J. Brody of late. The long-time pairing is reunited of late, and it's benefited the other guy immensely in recent games and uh, sneaky good DFS value, I'll say, going forward. Noah Hannafin is listed as day-to-day, but also listed as a second-pairing defenseman alongside Rasmus Anderson, who's been uh, who's had a decent year in, in Calgary this season. Uh, they have a lot of depth behind these guys for the likes of uh, experienced players like Forbert and Eric Gustafsson particularly who came over from Chicago and has had some offensive success in this league with a 60 point year last year that I've mentioned from time to time and he's shown flashes of that in Calgary but not consistently enough. In the Nets David Rich and Cam Talbot have volleyed the goalie role back and forth for much of the season here and that will likely continue down the stretch but I have to give the slight edge to Riddich based on his overall body of work. In terms of the power play situation in Calgary, the first line is set up. It includes Tuchuk on that first unit with Monaghan and Gaudreau. I like that fit. They don't have all the eggs in one basket on regular shift, but they choose to go that way in the power play setup, and they move Lindholm back to a point position alongside Gustafsson on that grouping. Giordano has had the first line role from time to time, but now he's listed as a second liner in that power play setup. In terms of the notes of the past week in Calgary, Cam Talbot did get two game starts and he won both of them. And in fact, he's outplayed Riddich of late. So when I said they volleyed this role back and forth, it's now in Cam Talbot's court. Riddich, for his part, allowing four goals in each of his last three starts, opened that door. Uh, I did mention TJ Brody, three goals in the past four games. Milan Lucic even has contributed of late three points in his last four games played looks like the big man is getting ready for a nice postseason run we mentioned Noah Hannafin on the IR as well as some others on this this team Uh, he suffered an upper body injury on Sunday there's no note here in terms of how serious it is going forward so keep an eye on that circumstance going forward as we say the Chicago Blackhawks are up next. Dominic Kubalik has enjoyed his time in Chicago immensely. He's had a very nice offensive season with 29 goals and 16 assists. Uh, an unexpected contributor to the top six here, but really enjoying life next to Jonathan Taves and uh, Brendan Saad. They got a physical player, a sniper, and a and a playmaking center on this team on the top line. That's just the way I like it composed. 
And so it's no wonder they're having the success that they are. One guy who hopes to join those ranks of successes is Alex Nylander. He has not yet found his traction as a pro, and this is his second stop. He was in Buffalo and didn't work out there, and uh, so far not shooting the lights out in Chicago either, but gets a chance to work with uh, uh, another guy who had enjoyed a super, a super junior career and found life to his liking in Chicago, and that's Dylan Strom. Of course, they're both playing with Patrick Kane, who would make me and AJ look good if we played line with him, I'm sure. So uh, that's the look of the top six. Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist partnered on the top pairing on defense. Nick Sealer and Connor Murphy on the second pairing. It's interesting that they put Mata and Cuckoo on a third pairing here. Both of those guys, you would think on name recognition, would be top four. But the fact of the matter is they both suspect a little bit defensively. And uh, while they have offensive upside, they're kind of insulated with third pairing minutes. In terms of the net mining situation, it's Corey Crawford's uh, position right now. He's played all the games of late since the trade deadline. Malcolm Subban, though, you figure has to get a look because they want to know what they have in a guy they acquired at the trade deadline when they moved Robin Leonard out the other way. In terms of the Chicago Blackhawks power play, uh, it looks like this. They have Debrinkat, who has been a top sniper for them. Uh, he's been relegated to third line minutes of late, but moves up to top line on the power play. Jonathan Taves and Kubelik play uh, the rest of the four positions. Patrick Kane, you know he's going to be in there somewhere, and he really runs the show from the point position alongside Duncan Keith. So the veterans are still holding the fort in Chicago there. The second liner to watch for me is Kirby Doc. He's been insulated all season long with third line minutes, and then he gets a nice look on the power play and to feature the offensive upside that he's all about here too. And I mentioned Ole Mata as an, a guy with that offensive acumen. He featured on the second power play in addition to the other guys. In terms of what they have done in the past week, Corey Crawford, four games played, two wins for his part. Boquist had four assists, but he's nicked up of, uh, at the moment, so keep an eye on his status going forward. Duncan Keith had three helpers. Drake Kajula injured his hand in a fight, and that drops him from contention for a top-six role for a while. I suspect he'll be out for a few games at least. Kublik, I said, uh, is on the verge of a very nice uh, season. 29 goals, 16 assists, as uh, left wing on the top line, uh, the contribution that few expected from him. The Columbus Blue Jackets, they line up with Alex Wenberg, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Emil Benstrom on the top line, Nick Foligno, Boone Jenner, Gustav Nyquist on the second line, and look at Benstrom is a guy that I panned when he first came up, but he's uh, looked really good being a consistent scorer and one with an unexpected performance, but they needed that when you consider the rash of injuries that have taken out the likes of Ken Atkinson, Brandon Dubinsky, Oliver Bjorkstrand, and John Josh Anderson. That's a lengthy list that would cripple almost any team, but this team still remains relevant in the playoff hunt because they, they are following their leader, Nick Foligno, who has done an exceptional job of rallying the healthy bodies and getting the most out of them on a nightly basis. Zach Wierenski's had an outstanding year, leading all shooters from the defense position in terms of goal scoring, uh, reaching the 20-goal mark already. Ryan Murray is his partner. Vlad Gavrikov and David Savard uh, are on that second grouping. Savard used to show more of an offensive upside than he has this season, but uh, I guess pressed into more minutes than usual because of the fact that, of course, they're missing Seth Jones uh, for an extended period on the, on the back end. And uh, speaking of injuries, they, they can't say anything about the goalie mix right now in that regard because Corpusello and Mersa Lincolns are actually healthy and volleying the role back and forth 
in terms of the, the net mining situation, a rarity for this team this season. I mentioned Benstrom. He has five goals in his last eight games and is now a right wing on that top line, rising from the third and second line in a steady progression to that top unit. Gustav Nyquist slept, snapped out of a scoreless funk with three goals in his last four games played. Gavrikov has picked up more second pair minutes with Jones on the IR. I said he has five points in his last eight games played. And Stefan Matteau may have started with a flurry. I mean, I was high on him when he first came up, but he's been blanked in his last six games played and now relegated to fourth line minutes. The Colorado Avalanche, they played last night. We'll get into that outcome in a second, but it's worth noting that Nate McGinnon is listed as day-to-day following that, that game last night. So keep an eye on his status because very little is known. We'll know more later today. In fact, I might tweet that out. Gabriel Landeskog had a fine week last week, leading McKinnon 9-8 in terms of single-week output, but among the best for any skater in the league last week. Vlad Nemesnikov has had a very nice run filling in for Miko Rantanen. He's been a really good DFS play in the last two weeks and the figures to continue that as long as he lines up with these two guys going forward. The second line is a bit in flux with some injuries uh, contributing to that, but right now it lines up with Tyson Yost, Jason Comfort at center, and Yunus Donskoy on the right side. So John Donskoy was the only one of these three who figured to be a top six forward, but they're pressed into duty because Nazem Kadri and Andrew Burakovsky are on the sidelines looking in alongside uh, Miko Rantanen. They hope to get a couple of these guys back down the stretch, and uh, that will make a dynamic offense even more uh, feared around the league. In terms of the back end, they get offense in the blue line too when you consider the first pairing, Ryan Graves and Samuel Girard. Second pairing, more of a shutdown group in Cole and Johnson. I might see, suggest that they split them up. They were asking my opinion. I'd like to see a defensive player with an offensive player there and spread the wealth a little bit more. Philip Grubauer is listed on the IR here, as we've mentioned in previous weeks. He won't be back anytime in the immediate future, and that means Pavel Francouz carries the load in the nets. In terms of the power play situation here in Colorado, it lines up as follows. You've got JT Comfort, Tyson Yost, and Gabriel Landeskog on that top line offensively. Nate McKinnon, if he's healthy, will man a point position on this power play and be the feature performer. He gets the puck on his stick, and he'll hold it for a while, more than more than most players and like to move things around on the extra man but if there's one guy I want to see with the puck on his stick it's McKinnon I'll say that dynamic player for sure Samuel Girard they choose one of their offensive defensemen to man the point on that second grouping Girard with a big shot there makes a lot of sense to me in terms of what's happening of late in Colorado Landeskog I mentioned nine points McKinnon with eight Eric Johnson with three points, but Nemesnikov, I mentioned a great DFS option. Don't forget, this is a guy who wasn't expected to be there, and so you can expect his price tag to be lower than most. Three goals and one helper in his last four games played. We look at the Dallas Stars. Jamie Benn has had a very nice run in the second half of the season. The first half is one that he might like to forget, as it was probably a low point in the last five years that we've seen from him, but seems to have righted himself of late, and that means a reunion with Tyler Sagan on that top pairing. Corey Perry on the right side, yet to find any traction here this season in Dallas. Won a very frustrating year for Perry and the Stars, who expected much more out of him, and it simply hasn't been delivered, but hopefully playing with these two guys kind of boosts him into a better uh, latitude of production. Denis Gurianov, Rupi Hintz, and Joe Pavelski are on the second grouping. Pavelski spent some time in the middle of the ice. Rupi Hintz spent time on the wing, and they flip-flopped these two guys, both of them with a lot of upside offensively. Gurianov, probably a low-end DFS option, 
who has had some nice runs from time to time, makes good sense rounding out this top six. On the back end, Essa Lindell, John Klingberg, Miro Heskanen, and Stephen Johns are the top four here. Uh, the three, three guys, with the exception of Johns, having an offensive upside, Klingberg particularly, living up to a previous billing with his best run of the season of late. Ben Bishop and Anton Kudobin, a very nice one, too. And the reason why this team has is, is got two good goalies is because they play a really good defensive structure. And it's reflected in the positive numbers of the Stars defensively. Bishop and Kudobin among the lowest goals against averages in the entire league. In terms of the power play situation in Dallas, they line up with Bell, uh, Ben Pravelski and Perry on the top line. Sagan manning the point. Power play quarterback alongside John Klingberg. Radic facts are Rupe Hintz and Jason Dickinson. Dickinson has had some time in the top six uh, earlier in the year, but not there right now. Gurianov is a guy who had a very nice run earlier in the season, a little quieter of late. And Miro Heiskanen, the other defenseman of note, uh, rounding out the second power play unit there. In terms of what happened to them in the past week, Corey Perry has only one assist to show for uh, five games played in the right wing on the top line. I don't think he's long for that role, folks. I mentioned that Klingberg has reemerged as the top offensive D with five points in his last five games played. Heiskanen, who carried that load much of the season, has gone cold one point in his last eight games. Anton Kudobin stepped in for a struggling Brian Bishop to take three straight starts, allowing a total of seven goals against. The rest may have done some good, but Bishop allowed only one goal in his last start. So the luxury of having a viable second goalie option, very apparent there in Dallas. The Detroit Red Wings, well, what can you say about a team that's had a tough season this this year? They're just looking for some growth from some of their youngsters, and they've seen it from time to time in the likes of Bertuzzi and Mantha, who are flanked, flanking Dylan Larkin, who for me is going, going to be the leader of this team's re- resurgence and really already has established himself as a top forward in this league. I, I love the leadership qualities he's all about. He reminds me of, let's say, a Steve Eisman light. I think that's who he's patterning himself after, and they'd love to see the growth in that uh, trend, in that way for him. Darren Helm, Val Philpilla, and Sam Gagne, all veteran forwards here, none of whom is really a credible uh, top six option anymore, but the fact is they're pushed into that role as a consequence of a lack of depth and really injury issues around the forwards here. Robbie Fabry's had some time in the top six. Justin Abdicatory and Brendan Perlini as well, but right now those guys are listed as bottom six players in this mix. On the defense, it's also a thing that's in, been in flux. Danny DeKaiser, probably the best of the lot outside of Philip Kronick. He's on the IR, but Kronick, for his part, is a guy that they hope to build this defense around. He's playing second pairing minutes alongside Trevor Daly. Patrick Nemeth and Alex Biega, more uh, or less defensive defensemen, uh, are listed as the other top four pairing. In the Nets, Jonathan Bernier is carrying the lion's share of the starts. Jimmy Howard relegated a secondary duty, and he's had an awful year. And really, Bernier has had a, a heroic year, I'll say, for the Red Wings. I'll get to his numbers and, and situation in a second, but we'll look at the power play and remind our listeners that even though the Detroit Red Wings are not a team that you would pick... Uh, a lot of players from DFS. I like the look of this power play from the point of view of Larkin being in the middle of it alongside Tyler Bertuzzi and Hronik on the back end with Mantha. Mantha has a big shot there. Sam Gagne, a pretty good physical presence as well in front. So they have all the attributes that you'd like to see. And uh, look, that's a starting point in terms of building blocks. Putting all these guys on the ice at once gives you the best look that Detroit can afford uh, to show on a nightly basis.
Last week, the Red Wings, in fact, went 2-1, and one, one of their best weeks of the season. I mentioned Bernier has been a, a, a heroic figure here, picking up two wins in, in three starts. He continues, as I said before, to play much better when he has no con- competition for the top job. Look at the goals against, 290 and a save percentage north of 90, almost 91% for the league's worst team. I don't think can pin any of this on him, but I, I call his performance here uh, the Tom Barrasso syndrome, when you have a starter who plays his better games when the viable backup is MIA. Mantha had two goals, three helpers, and uh, and Bertuzzi, two goals and three helpers. So I told you there's there's some offensive upside here, folks, even though you might pan this team overall. The Edmonton Oilers is a team that has shed the ranks of also-rans and will be a factor in the postseason, it looks like. They won they took an OT loss, rather, last night in uh, Vegas. They were won three out of four last week, though. The loss last night went to Koskinen, despite turning aside 45 shots. Alex Chason and Ryan Nugent Hopkins with the goals there. Look, at, we're seeing fire wagon hockey uh, that the oil was known for 30 years ago. There's lots of offense here. We mentioned Koskinen. He had three games played, two wins last week. Dreisaitl, four goals and four assists last week. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has really spiked his performance in the second half of the season. Two goals and five helpers. Connor McDavid, seven points for his part. So the big guns are firing. Darnell Nurse even got into the act with six assists. And Alex Chason, in addition to the goal he scored last night, had two goals and one assist last week for the Oil. Edmonton lines up with uh, two former number one uh, first-round picks, uh, Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl, leading scorer in the NHL. And... Uh, the, the guy that rides shotgun and great DFS value is Kyler Yamamoto on the right wing. All he's done has been productive since he was called up again earlier this season. The second line features Tyler Ennis, Gaetan Haas, and Zach Cassian. Connor McDavid listed as day-to-day. We'll keep an eye on that situation. It's related to an illness. He will not play. He did not play last night, but hopefully will play later on in the week. So Keep an eye on that situation that looks to be fluid. Darnell Nurse had a fine week, as we mentioned. He, last week, he's partnered with Ethan Bear, a guy, who has a, a guy who has an offensive upside as well. Oscar Clefbaum and Adam Larson round out the second pairing. Clefbaum has had a nice offensive season, and it's a sneaky good DFS value play here, folks, going forward, because he gets a bit of a look here when it, things line up on the special teams. Uh, he partners with Darnell Nurse on the back end behind Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins, Alec, Alex Chase on up front on that top grouping. Up next, we look at the Florida Panthers, and this is a team that the Leafs have uh, very close in their rearview mirror following two wins and an overtee loss in the last three games. That second win came last night in St. Louis, a tough, hard-fought victory. Chris Drieger uh, receding for the victory and really has uh, carried the load because Bobrovsky simply has dropped the ball and he's now listed with a lower body injury. I think even though he is slated to return later in this week, Drieger will continue to carry the load uh, because he's just been very good since he was called up. Another great effort last night when he turned aside 26 of 27. Hoffman and Conley uh, counting for the goals in that narrow 2-1 victory. They're doing this uh, recently without much from the dynamic duo of Huberdeau and Barkov, who combined with four points over the last seven games played total. You can make it eight now because they didn't do anything last night either. Mackenzie Wieger, in fact, has outscored both of them with two goals in that time period. Looks like the Panthers are placing their faith in uh, Grieger, as I said. He returned from the IR to move in and take over the Nets, and all he's done is uh, stop 
all but four of the shots that he faced, a total of 89 shots, 85 saves in the last three games that he's played. Um, that means now we go to the Los Angeles Kings and we talk about teams that are hot. There aren't any hotter ones in the Western Conference, folks, when you consider this team is now on a six-game winning streak. When you consider they won uh, on Monday in Colo- against Colorado and uh, Jonathan Quick pacing a 3-1 victory, only 22 shots against, 21 saves. Mikey Anderson, Alex Iafalo, and Austin Wagner accounting for the goal scoring. Dustin Brown has been revitalized of late, eight points in his last six games played. Jonathan Quick similarly playing on top of his game now, allowing only three goals against in his last four games played. That is not a typo, folks. Ben Hutton is Drew Doughty's newest partner on the back end. He has three assists in his last three games played, so uh, benefiting from playing with the the veteran who is obviously one of the top scoring defensemen in hockey year in year out marty firk turned some heads at the ahl all-star game with the hardest shot but he's been blanked in seven straight games as a right winger on the second line in in los angeles speaking of the makeup of that formation Iafalo, kopitar and brown are that top line kempe blake lazat martin firk on that second unit on defense i mentioned hutton playing with dowdy Chris Curtis McDermott and Sean Walker playing on that second pairing there. And behind Jonathan Quick, Cal Peterson has been getting some reps and looking pretty good in the nets there. So they may have found something uh, going forward as the newest understudy behind Jonathan Quick, who's not going anywhere in Los Angeles in the near future. In terms of the power play setup, Adrian Kempe and Anze Kopitar and Dustin Brown line up as the top forwards. Alex Iafalo, who's had a very nice campaign for them, is featured on the point uh, instead of his normal forward position alongside Drew, Drew Doughty on that power play. We look at the Minnesota Wild. This is a team that has uh, really turned up the heat offensively of late, so it really is important to highlight who they have in their top six. And it begins with Zach Parise at the left wing and Kevin Fiala on the right wing. Both of these guys having a nice run of late, particularly Fiala. We've talked about him week in and week out as one of the top scorers in the league, and that continued last week. guy that figures to benefit from that is Joel Eriksson-Eck in the middle of the ice, so he might be the low-end low DFS option at center. If you're looking for somebody in the, in the next couple of nights, Marcus Foligno, Alex Galchenyev, and... Uh, Galchenyuk and Matt Zuccarello make up that second line. The note here is of interest is Galchenyuk playing at center and having some success finally. He's been playing much uh, more wing position uh, in his early days here, but uh, really couldn't find any traction in, in a couple of previous stops with the wing position. Maybe the center is the position that makes sense here and as long as he's playing with Zuccarello, I think it's a really good chance for him to get some traction offensively. On the back end, Ryan Suter and Jarrett Spurgeon, two veterans who've been part of the mix here and productive aspects. A lot of def- offense comes from this defense, and you can add Matt Dumba to the mix here. Jonas Brodin has had a very nice br- campaign, probably the best as a pro. And behind them in the nets, there's been a changing of the guard in terms of the depth chart there, as Devin Dubnik has been outplayed by Alex Stalock for much of the season, and now Rotowire lists Stalock as the st- number one starter here. In terms of the power play setup in Minnesota, it again features Parise, Galchenyuk, and Fiala on the top line, Spurgeon and Suter on the back end, two offensive catalysts from the defense position playing together. Again, one of the rare tandems that does play power play minutes around the league. 
on that top grouping. We mentioned Stalock, three games played last week, two wins under his belt. Kevin Fiala, I continue to highlight him as one of the top scorers, four goals and three helpers. Ryan Suter chipping in offensively, had another great, I got another great year with a goal and three assists under his uh, d- docket. Uh, Galchenyuk, I said, has found some traction at center. How about three points in his last three games played? And uh, I think you're going to see an extended run for him in the middle of the ice going forward. Up next, the Montreal Canadiens went 1-2 and two last week. Look, at the Habs have given up on a playoff push, and that means that you're going to see a little bit more of Charlie Lindgren in the Nets. He started two of the four games they played last week, allowing six goals against. Brendan Gallagher returned after missing only one game due to illness. Granted, he only produced one shot on goal, as opposed to the higher rate of almost four per game that we've seen out of him much of the season. He's, listed, he's a gamer who shows up every night for his team, and you know if he could suit it up, he will, and uh, even though this is a lost season, he wants to send a message to the rest of his mates in that regard. Recent call-up, Charles Houdon, was uh, brought up five games ago, finally produced his first goal of the season last week, now playing left wing on the second line going forward. Ben Sherratt uh, gets the look with Shea Weber currently. He's not a top offensive defenseman, but the veteran does have a career-high nine goals among his 21 points year to date. How do the Canadians line up uh, going forward? Well, it's as follows. Paul Byron, Philip Deneau, and Yoel Armia are in that top unit. Armia insulates the two smaller guys, and I got a lot of time for Philip Deneau, who's had a very nice two-way season as one of the better 200-foot players, to use the hockey parlance that uh, is in vogue right now, to describe this guy's full-length game that's on display. He gets the top checking assignment most nights against the top opposition forwards, and his job is simply to neutralize them and provide offense, and he's done exactly that. The second group now, as I said, features Houdon. Max Domi getting another shot to uh, solidify himself as a top six forward. It's been a down season for him, and he gets to work with Brandon Gallagher, and that should be all the motivation he needs to get the best of his game out himself. Nick Suzuki had had a nice run as a second-line center, but now dropped to third and playing with Wheel and Lekkonen in uh, that grouping. But Suzuki's had a very nice rookie campaign for the Habs. Ben Chirot and Weber, I mentioned the top pairing here. Behind them, Jeff Petrie's had a very nice season, and the Habs did a smart thing by keeping this guy rather than trading him. He's very valuable in the mix in Montreal and has had a resurgence to his career ever since he donned their colors. In the Nets, look for the goalie split to continue. Carey Price and Charlie Lindgren will volley that situation back and forth. It's not so much a win in your end. It's just to give Lindgren some reps and to find out what, find out what they really have here. And there's no really real reason to, reason to tax the veteran uh, price at this point. In terms of the power play setup, Jordan Wheel, Philip Deneau, and Brendan Gallagher on the top offensive line. Nick Suzuki, I told you he's had a very nice offensive season uh, in his rookie, first rookie campaign. And uh, Petrie rounds out that group on that first line. You might see Shea Weber move into that first line as well. They'll flip-flop these guys. But but in terms of trying to strike a balance, they've done so in the second group with Weber and Max Domi listed on the back end there behind the likes of Armia, Houdon, and Jake Evans. The New Jersey Devils have had a tough season overall, but last week they continued a recent run and uh, went 2-1. P.K. Subban, in fact, part of the offense here, a rare turn of good fortune for him with two assists. Damon Severson has been a more consistent defensive producer. One goal, two assists for him. 
Dakota Mermis, a third defenseman of note here. We haven't mentioned him at all because he's only played nine games, and he has now got four points in those nine games. His plus seven rating, a good sign for the debut that he's made there of late. And just like Bernier in Detroit, rookie Mackenzie Blackwood, his numbers are surprisingly good here. 274 goals against average, a 915 save percentage in 46 appearances. Uh, they're co-winners of the Purple Heart for me. An indicator of the weak offensive over uh, offensive production overall, Miles Wood has only 22 points in 67 games played, only one assist in his last six games played overall. In terms of the overall depth chart, Wood's in underlining the problems offensively listed as a first line left wing Nico Heischer former number one overall draft pick not living up to that billing sadly uh, but still uh, hope hope is uh, high that he will one day merit that badge uh, going forward Kyle Palmieri is a guy who's done everything that he could to elevate this team he's had one of his better offensive years as a pro 25 goals already in the bank for him listed as right wing on that top unit on the second line jack hughes another top draft pick overall uh, for the devils has had a tough time acclimatizing himself to the nhl uh, listed originally as a center, he's now playing wing position on that second line. Only seven goals and 14 assists year to date. Travis Zajac hoping to bring the youngster along as a veteran presence in the middle, and Joey Anderson fill out that top six on the right side. We mentioned Dakota Mermis and uh, David Damon Severson. They hold down one of the top two pairings, and Mirko Muller working with P.K. Subban on the on the other pairing. We mentioned Mackenzie Blackwood holding the fort in, in the nets. He's been ably supported of late by Corey Schneider, who's been pretty good since he came back from uh, the IR and a stint in the minors earlier this season. The Nashville Predators are a team that's loaded offensively from the back end, so we'll begin with that grouping first. Roman Yossi's had another great season, Ryan Ellis as well, and Matthias Ekholm, a third credible option on the defense producing offense here. Dante Fabro has been part of this mix all season long and it certainly helped his development of late. He's still not showing his wares fully offensively but I think there's something there and he could be something of a dynasty option going forward. In terms of the rest of this team offensively, in the middle of the ice it's been a bit of a disappointment. Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne not living up to the billing or their contracts offensively and that's really where it begins and ends for me in terms of the struggles of this team overall. Colton Sissons and Phillips Forsberg on the left side here. Kali Arncroft and Michael Grandlin on the right. Forsberg and Grandland are guys with an offensive upside here that I think you've seen flashes of it from time to time. Grandland had a tough time acclimatizing himself uh, after being traded from Minnesota but certainly looks better than he has in uh, in recent weeks for this club. In the Nets, there might be a changing of the guard here too, similar to a couple of teams we've highlighted in the pod so far. Pekka Rini has been outplayed by UC Saros of late, and that means that they flip-flop uh, situations going forward. And uh, overall, you can cite the fact that Saros uh, played four games last week, winning two of them and recording two shutouts. So they've given him a nice extended run to see if he could handle that kind of a load, and the results are very positive. Roman Yossi continues his fine season with a goal and two helpers. The offense continues to sputter, though, overall with only nine goals for in, his la- in their last five games played. Mentioned Johansson. He's been blanked five last five games, still getting top six minutes at center. That's more to do with his contract than anything else in, at this stage and the fact that Kyle Turris just can't challenge him on a regular basis. Duchesne, for his part, at least is faring better of late with four points in his last six games played, playing with top wings, Grandlin and Forsberg at the moment. 
the Islanders is a team, this, this group has really stumbled uh, of late, and it really is all traced back to, I said it last week, when Adam, Adam Pellick went down, it just seems like the whole defensive structure went down with him, and the guys that paid for it were Varlamov and Grice, who were giving up more shots and more goals, were facing more shots and giving up more goals than they had earlier in the season, and that's really when it went south for this club. In terms of the way they look right now, Anders Lee is uh, left wing on the top line. Matthew Barzal and Jordan Everly on the top, top line right wing. Andrew Ladd is getting a rare turn on the left wing on the top second unit. Brock Nelson is having a career season at center. And Josh Bailey has had a bit of a resurgence of late in that partnership with Nelson on that second line. On defense, Nick Letty and Ryan Pollock are the top pairing. Devin Taves and Scott Mayfield, that second group. But as I mentioned, they really miss the likes of Johnny Boychuk and Adam Pellick on the back end. Varlamov has a narrow edge over Rice overall in terms of the goalie depth situation here. And on the power play, the Islanders, they can feature a pretty nice, talented group when you consider the fact that John, John Gabriel Peugeot has been joined this mix of late, and he is now playing center on that first line between Anders Lee and Jordan Everly. Matthew Barzal drops down from the center position to one of the point positions to pilot this group, and Devin Taves is the lone defenseman in the mix over here. In terms of what happened on the ice for the Islanders in the past week, they are mired in a six-game losing streak after going 0-2-1. A team-wide offensive slump, slump continues, and despite that and a long-term absence of his usual defensive partner, Ryan Pollock is the guy that paced this off attack with three goals last week on pace now for his first 40-point season as a pro. We called for Thomas Grice to get some work as Semyon Varlamov's struggled recently, but... Uh, Christ didn't fare much better, allowing six goals and only four shots over the two appearances that he had last week. So maybe it's uh, a win and you're in again over here as Varlamov likely to get a shot early this week. Anders Lee has been a rare bright spot on offense of late with nine points in his last eight games played. By far his best offensive stretch of the year. Another New York team that is getting better as the season progresses is the New York Rangers. And uh, the news is mostly about the offense here. And interesting makeup of the first line, Phil DiGiuseppe has been pressed into duty on that top line left wing. And he's a sneaky good DFS play as long as he stays there because he's playing beside Mika Zibanejad, who led all shooters last week with nine goals based primarily on that one five-goal effort. Pavel Butnevich has had a fine year and has been riding shotgun admirably with Zibanejad. So keep an eye on that left wing spot because whoever's there is going to be a good low-end DFS option unless they put all their eggs in one basket and move Artemi Panarin up. He is the left wing on the second unit right now. Had a nice run with Ryan Strom and Jesper Fast has moved up. Normally this guy's been a third line winger but pressed into duty because Chris mainly because Chris Kreider is out of lineup right now. On defense, they've had some great offensive contributions from Adam Fox of late. Jacob Truba has not had quite the offensive season that you might have expected here, but uh, certainly a credible scoring option. They're partnered with Ryan Lindgren and Brendan Smith, respectively. The likes of Mark Stahl and Anthony D'Angelo are third-pairing guys, but D'Angelo is a guy who factors into the offense as well. And uh, when we get to the power play, we'll show you just how much. The three-headed monster still continues to live in the nets. Igor Shosturkin, Alexander Georgiev, and Henrik Lundqvist in the mix. Lundqvist getting fewer reps than the other two guys. They know what they have in him, but they've got to make a tough decision in the nets. So they want to see what they have in the youngsters. And whoever wins that competition should be the go-forward position. And right now the lean is toward Shosturkin. In terms of the power play mix in, with the Rangers... 
it looks as follows. They have uh, featuring Artemi Panarin on that top unit from the defense position alongside D'Angelo. See, he's a third-pairing guy, and yet he's first guy out of the shoot from the defenseman on the power play. Gets to play with the likes of Butnevich, Zibanejad, and Strom, and needless to say, the way this team is humming along right now, those five guys are all very good DFS fantasy options. The Ottawa Senators are a team that will should not be taken lightly. They They have a real will to play, and they, they deliver an effort, despite the fact that talent is a little bit lacking here overall. But I like the way this team is headed and being coached by D.J. Smith, former Leaf assistant coach. The way it lines up is Brady, Tuchuk, uh, Colin White, and Bobby Ryan on that top line. Ryan has gone quiet after a very nice debut in, in this season with the hat trick and his first game have been blanked since then but there's a feel good aspect to him just being in the lineup here and I think it's it's uh, rubbed off on a few of his teammates of late. Rudolph Balsers is a youngster that's pressed back into duty he's been up and down from the minors uh, a couple of times over the past couple of years getting another audition here and gets a good chance to play with some pretty good pros and Chris Tierney a good puck distributor and Connor Brown a very hard working right winger there. Thomas Shabbat Ron Hainsey making up the first pairing. Mike Riley and Nikita Zaitsev on the second pairing. Shabbat is the guy that carries the mail for this team offensively. And even though his point totals are off what he did last year, he's playing a ton of minutes and really rounding out his game as a top defenseman in this league, particularly when it comes to the offensive side of the puck. In terms of the net mining, they're banged up in the nets, and right now that means the load is being carried by Craig Anderson. Marcus Hogberg is out. Anders Nelson on the IR, but trending to a return at some point. you got to figure when he's healthy, he'll be the guy that takes the lion's share of the games going forward. In terms of the power play setup here, Brady Tuchuk, their centerpiece offensively, I would say, overall gets featured on the left wing here. Colin White and Bobby Ryan on the first unit. Connor Brown drops back. He's got a good shot at a good hockey IQ, so it makes good sense to have him in this mix. And Thomas Shabbat is the defenseman of note uh, who fact figures to be the power play linchpin for years to come as i mentioned craig anderson holds the lion's share of the load in the nets two wins in the three starts last week uh, rudy balsers moved up to left wing on the second line netting his first goal in 13 games played he had 31 points in 43 ahl games so that gives rise to uh, an offensive upside that we hope will translate for him at the nhl level Anthony, Anthony Leclerc, Duclair returned with a vengeance from the IR after missing four games played to produce three points in two games that he played last week. Now we come to the hottest team in the league, the Philadelphia Flyers. They're on a nine-game win streak, so it really, it really underscores what we've been saying, AJ and I, for years about this team. When they figure out the goaltending, this team will be a formidable foe, and that's exactly what's happened since Carter Hart arrived on the scene and really has com- had a breakout campaign last year and uh, followed it up with a nice camp- another similar campaign this year, and ably supported by Brian Elliott, who's kind of had a bit of a rebirth here this season, under, surrounded by all the success uh, on the rest of this roster. The way they lay it out is as follows. Claude Giroux back on the left wing on the top line. Sean Couturier at center. Jacob Voracek, I'm so happy to see him as a top line left winger here. They troyed with him on the third line. That was a bit of a waste of time. But since he's been back on the top unit, this team has flourished. And uh, on the second unit, uh, Travis Konechny has had a breakout campaign. Kevin Hayes living up to the contract billing uh, at center ice. Joel Farabee is uh, part of the revolving door at left wing. Uh, getting a nice run of late despite the fact that Scott Lawton has had a good run offensively. He's listed as a third line left wing over here. 
Ivan Provorov and Matt Niskanen, uh, part of a good offense from the back end. They're partnered together on top pairing. Travis Sandheim had a nice run for a little while, and he's partnered with Robert Hag on that second grouping. It's surprising to see that Shane Gostisbehere's lot has dropped despite all the success around him. This guy figured to be the top offensive piece here from the back end, but it hasn't worked out. And uh, it's a shame because you think of him at, at the top end of his game, on top of what they have here, it'd be even more formidable. But as mentioned, a nine-game winning streak in the, in the tank, in the bank rather. And Carter Hart receded for another two wins in the two games he played last week. Provorov with two goals and a helper. Joel Farabee, interesting to note, back in the top six role, had a goal in, a, in two games played last week. And he's being challenged by Scott Lawton, who has been on a tear, I said. Nine points in his last seven games. How about that? And now I've I got to get amped for, for AJ for the Pittsburgh Penguins because he normally brings it a little bit extra when it comes to his own team. But uh, i got to say, though, he, even he has to admit that they must be, they're still floundering a little bit. Only 2-2 two and two, the record last week. And goaltending a little bit in flux. It looks like Marty Murray, Matt Murray is making a case to take over the load. Three games played, two wins for him. And really, this team is going to ride its offense and its leadership, and they came through at least uh, to the tune of eight points for Malkin, six points for Crosby. Brian Rust, five points as a top six forward. And Jason Zucker, loving life in Pittsburgh, as we knew that he would pick up another five points. I mentioned that the goalie situation is in flux. Tristan Jerry may be losing his grip on the top goalie share. He's now got four straight losses on his docket, 18 goals against. And Matt Murray, only been a bit better of late, but uh, when you consider 13 goals against versus 8 in an equal number of games. That's better than a goal a game, and that's why Murray is looking like the go-forward position here. In terms of the way they're lining it up, Jason Zucker and Connor Sheary are the wingers for Sidney Crosby. Look at he He's elevated both of these guys just to remind everybody how great Crosby is. Patrick Marlowe fitting in nicely on the left wing on the second line with Malkin and Brian Rust on the right side. Rust has had something of a breakout campaign over here, and that's pushed the likes of Jared McCann and Patrick Hornquist down into more suitable third-line roles. And when you figure, figure that they're there alongside Nick Bugsteg, that's one of the more formidable third lines in the NHL. Brian Dumoulin and Chris Letang make up the top pairing. Marcus Pedersen and John Marino rounded out. That's three really solid scoring options outside of Dumoulin on that defense core and another one of the strengths of this team. They have a nice shutdown pairing behind them in Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz, who are very properly slotted there. And so the Pens have all kinds of depth uh, on the defensive side. And really, when you consider they're, they're missing the likes of Gunsel, Dominic Simone, and Anthony Angelo, uh, out offensively uh, up front it's a very deep uh, situation all over the place they even have Teddy Bluger and Evan Rodriguez as fourth liners here these guys have been second liners earlier this season and uh, in Rodriguez case before this year in Buffalo as well so look keep an eye on the goalie situation here going forward because I think even though Rotowire lists Jari as the number one guy I think they're leaning toward Murray uh, going forward this week the St. Louis Blues took it on the chain at home loss last night, 2-1 to one against the uh, visiting Florida Panthers. Jordan Bennington, 32 saves out of 34 shots. Colton Pareko in the, in the offensive column with the goal, continuing his recent run of good fortune. Two goals and one helper now in his last uh, four games played. Fans continue to look sideways at big ticket Justin Falk on the back end, who's now missed the last two games with an upper body injury on top of the fact that he hasn't very, had a very good season offensively. That 
cap hit of seven million a year for the next several years likely to cost them alex petrangelo going forward that's a not a good trade in my opinion i wonder if the blues try to move jake allen next season he's had a he's got a year left on his contract he's been a really good soldier here look at the goals against average 220 in 23 games played he's still great insurance behind bennington so i'm sure they're happy to have him in the fold as they head toward the playoff and the cup defense the St. Louis Blues offense lines up as follows. Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, and Sammy Blay on the top line. Zach Sanford, Ryan O'Reilly, and David Perron on that second line. And it really is worth mentioning the third line here when you consider they've been playing very well of late. And Alex Steen, Robert Thomas, and Tyler Bozak. You know, when you think about the, this group as a whole, not blessed with superstars, but really quality players. And don't forget they're going to get the infusion of... Vlad Tarasenko before the season is over and certainly they can look forward to him in the lineup when the playoffs do begin. The back end features Alex Pietrangelo. The, the captain's had a very nice year and just underscoring how much they're going to miss this guy when he's gone. And when you compare him with Justin Falk getting third line minutes here for the same amount of, well, more money to Falk actually going forward. Marco Scandella arriving from Montreal via Minnesota is now a fixture on the second defaring along cold, alongside Colton Pareko. Some size, some offensive skill there, and really insulating a, a really solid top four. And Vince Dunn not far behind them as a key piece on that third pairing with Justin Falk. Bennington will carry the load in the nets, of course, and he's had a very nice season for the Blues here. Shen picking up four points last week. Jaden Schwartz, five points. Capreco, as I mentioned, continuing a nice run. So uh, I like the St. Louis setup, but uh, they did take a bit of a misstep last night. I call that a blip, but I'm not worried about it going forward. San Jose Sharks, they are a team that has risen up and bitten a couple of visitors who've taken them lightly of late. And it's largely on the strength of the return of Logan Couture, though he's listed as data today again after suffering a nick in a recent game. But he and his partnership with Evander Kane has been a sight to see for me. I've caught a couple of their recent games. And now they're pressing Noah Gregor into service. This guy was a recent call-up, and uh, he has uh, now got points in each of his last two games played in a top line role there so a good sneaky dfs value play on that top grouping joe thornton is holding the fort on that second line still shake my head that this guy wasn't traded at the deadline he's not doing anything in san jose the rest of the season uh, certainly would have liked to see him get another playoff run he's playing with timo meyer on his left side kevin lebank two veteran guys who are probably not high-end second-line wingers, but they're forced into this situation just because of the lack of talent overall here in, uh, in San Jose at the moment in a rebuild situation. The defense is compromised because of injury. Uh, the injury to Eric Carlson. He's out the rest of the season, of course. That means the focal point of this offense from the back end is once again Brett Burns. He'll play upwards of 25 minutes a night most nights and solid DFS play because he is such a key part of this offense going forward. Marty Jones has kind of regained his equilibrium of late, uh, playing well enough to merit the number one job ahead of Aaron Dell, who's, Dell, who's pushed him all season long. And that's probably the best thing that can happen in, in San Jose. A little bit of competition in each of the positions will get the best out of players overall. When you look at the situation recently, Stefan Noison is a guy who's chipped in three points last week. I mentioned Kane playing some of his best hockey of late, three goals and one helper. Logan Couture took a puck to the face, and that's why he probably might miss a little bit of time 
while he gets healthier from that. After three great, great starts, we mentioned the Nets, Jones stumbled a little bit, allowing seven goals against in his last two games played. You wonder if Aaron Dell gets his foot back in the door after allowing only two goals on 38 shots in his lone start last week. And uh, they'll volley this situation back and forth the rest of the campaign, no doubt. The Tampa Lightning take it, take their act to the road, and uh, that's on the heels of a 2-1-1 one one record last week. Injuries now have sidelined Steven Samkos and Victor Hedman. Vasilevsky had a nice week for himself. Three games played, two wins, and a shutout. Mikhail Sergachev is a player to watch going forward. One goal and one assist last week. He'll see bigger a bigger role with Hedman down. I look for him to be a feature player on the power play. In terms of recent uh, switch, switches, because of the Stamkos circumstance, Andre Palat has only had one point to go in his six games played without Stamkos in the lineup. He's getting a top six look and not so far not delivering the goods. The same can be said for Blake Coleman, a recent acquisition who was expected to be, help this team with uh, some physicality but also some scoring. He's only got one point in his six games played since joining the Bolts and getting left wing minutes on the second line here. In terms of the way they line it up overall, it is as follows. They have Andre Palat on that top unit with Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. So obviously Palat should have some DFS value if he finds the net with some regularity going forward. Coleman, we mentioned, is left wing on that second line. Anthony Sorelli has elevated himself to the point of regular second line center for the moment. And Alex Killorn has got to be a credible option if Palat doesn't uh, get going. They might flip. Killorn and Palat uh, going forward in that mix. Even Tyler Johnson is a possible threat for top six minutes as well. On the back end, we mentioned Sergachev is a go-to guy on the power play. Kevin Shattenkirk has been uh, mostly in, invisible in the last couple of weeks after a nice start to this season. Ryan McDonough is a guy that they trust implicitly at both ends of the ice uh, from the defense position. And Eric Chernak getting more reps as a top four defender here, but it's it's gotten a little thin without Victor Hedman in the mix and Jan Ruta on the IR. So it could be an, a situation that other teams try to exploit a little bit without the big man on the blue line. Vasilevsky is ably supported by Curtis McElhinney. So, uh, McElhinney is a pretty sneaky good value play in terms of DFS play when he gets the start, so don't shy away from him if you see him as a probable starter behind this team. Vasilevsky, as I mentioned, had the good week last week, though, and figures to start a key game against the Leafs tonight. We'll get into that breakdown of, of tonight's schedule a little bit later, too, when we get to our DFS plays of the day. And speaking of the plays of the day, the focus for me is going to be a game between the Leafs and the Lightning. I'll be there tonight uh, looking forward to that outcome. The, there's good news on the horizon for the Maple Leafs. Uh, in, in addition to the, the fact that their goalies allowed only six goals on that three-game Western swing that otherwise would be forgettable in an 0-2 in one week, Cody Ceci came back and Morgan Riley is slated to return tonight so that bolsters a weak, uh, defense that had been weakened in the last seven or eight weeks without Morgan Riley in the lineup. They're looking forward to this guy taking up his usual 20 to 20, 25 minutes uh, load and being a factor on the power play and uh, the defensive side of the puck against the top of it, uh, opponents. Another guy that's kind of defended the fort of late while some of the others around him have faltered is Willie Nylander of, of all people. He hit the 30 mark, goal mark to really silence uh, all of his criti critics, including yours truly. He might be the best forward that uh, the Leafs have going right now. 
They have revamped their top six offensive pieces, reuniting more, uh, Mitch Marner with uh, John Tavares, and Casper uh, Captain has moved up to a left wing position on that second line. I like the way Captain's been playing of late, and he's being rewarded for that in uh, in the lineup changes that were announced just yesterday in Toronto. Zach Hyman will retain his position with uh, Austin Matthews, and Willie Nylander moves up to that unit. So they're getting the hot winger up there with the guy who's threatening the 50 goal mark. I kind of like that too. And uh, then on defense, we said Riley and CeCe are going to be back. They're moving up to the head of the class in terms of the defense bearings. Travis Dermott and Justin Hall have worked together for a long while in the minors and now at the NHL level, and they look to be the second tandem. Rasmus Sandin and Tyson Berry, the third tandem in this setup. Freddie Anderson has to be well-rested after only starting one of the games on the Western swing, and you can expect him to get a lot of the work going forward as the Leafs are in a desperate battle to hold off the Florida Panthers in the playoff hunt. In terms of the power play set up there in Toronto, obviously they can throw out some of the best talent in the league on that extra man situation, but it's floundered of late, and they're hoping that uh, some some uh, return the return of Morgan Riley factors in, although he will play only second power play minutes uh, to start, but uh, it looks like they're going to go with the usual grouping of Nylander, Tavares, and Marner up front, Tyson Berry and Austin Matthews on the back end, and... Uh, so you look for that unit to kind of get minute and a half in most of the power plays. Uh, they're now going along with what the rest of the league is doing in Toronto, and that's giving most of the first liners on the power play an extended run, whereas before it was one minute, yes, one minute, no, with the second unit. The Vancouver Canucks went one and two last week, kind of giving up some ground a little bit of late. That's mostly because Jacob Markstrom has been out of the mix, and really they he, he's been such a key part of the success all season long. But Thatcher Denko has done his part to try and hold the fort, allowing 18 goals against his last six games played. That's a middling three goals against average with a 90.3% save percentage. Uh, not quite enough to merit a winning record, but a serviceable one at the very least. And that's all they can hope for until Markstrom gets back, I'm afraid. Tyler Toffoli has 26 shots on goal and four points in his first seven games played with the Canucks. That shots on goal rate in line with what he's done in his career. So factoring in just as he you might he might have been expected, I think he's a great DFS play, particularly if he gets top six minutes here with either center that we'll get to in a sec. Troy Stetcher has increased his shots on goal rate from the back end and has six of his total 16 points in the last nine games played on a second deep pairing alongside Alex Edler, and that's uh, that's a guy who's uh, been a sneaky good DFS fantasy play all season long for me, I would say. Jake Vertanen is earning more playing time to fill a top six right wing position. He has a career high 36 points after starting the season in the doghouse here. That's a fine turnaround for him. In terms of the rest of the offense, the way it lays out, uh, J.T. Miller, Elias, Elias Pettersson, and Tyler Toffoli, that top line. Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat at center on that second line. And Louis Erickson getting another turn on the right wing. That's mostly because Brock Besser and Josh Levo are on the IR, folks. It's not to do with Erickson's performance, which has been lacking again for a long stretch. Vertanen, after a nice run, moved down to fourth line minutes, is worth noting as well. The back end, they have two really solid offensive pieces among the top four there in Quinn Hughes and Alex Edler so a real luxury here. Chris Tanev a serviceable player alongside uh, Hughes on the first pairing, Edler with Stetcher on the second pairing, that's a pretty good looking top four and really a top six when you consider Oscar Fantenberg and the hulking Tyler Myers on that uh, back end as well. 
Thatcher Demko holding the load in the Nets. Louis Domingue faltered in his rare appearance as a backup goalie here and didn't work out. The fact is now that they're hoping Markstrom returns sooner or later. In fact, now his status has been upgraded to day-to-day, so that's an encouraging bit of news in Vancouver. On the power play for the Canucks, they can throw out one of the better groups offensively when you consider the likes of Toffoli and Pedersen and Orvat in the middle. JT Miller on the back end with Hughes on that top pairing. And, uh, you know, they, they have credible options on the second unit as well. But that first one, one of the better units in the league for my money going forward. The Vegas Golden Knights, this is a team that's uh, faltered a little bit in the second half of the season, I'll say. They were they were 2-1 and one last week, though, and they pulled off another victory last night in OT against Edmonton, a very big win for them. And Marc-Andre Fleury notches the win with only 24 shots against. A real signature victory, I'll say, for this club. Uh, Shea Theodore netting the winner in OT. He has a, had a terrific run of offense uh, much of the season and answering the call to who is going to be their offensive linchpin from the back end. It certainly has turned out to be him. Robin Leonard uh, receding for three ga- three wins in his three games played so far has fit in just as we expected here. Five goals against and one shutout since joining the Knights uh, a couple of weeks ago. Marc-Andre Fleury before last night had uh, faltered a little bit with eight goals against in his last two games played. I wonder, with the performance that Robin Leonard is putting up of late, if there's any real possibility that he might get some early starts in the postseason. That remains to be seen based on the performance the rest of the way. In terms of the way they line things up, the the Knights having to deal with the fact that Mark Stone is out of lineup. He's now upgraded to day-to-day, could return soon. But in the meantime, Riley Smith, Paul Stastny, and Jonathan Marchesol are that first unit. Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, and Nicholas Roy are that second line. Roy picking up a goal last night, looking good on that second group offensively, trying to fill in as much as he can for Joe Stone, but right now rates a low-end DFS play for me uh, in that mix. On the back end, Nate Schmidt is the other defenseman who's risen from the ranks to provide some offensive punch for the back end. Even Alec Martinez has been nice, a nice fit that way since he re- arrived from L.A. He had a quiet year offensively there, but really has turned it up a notch since joining the Knights uh, after the trade deadline. The Washington Capitals feature recognizable names on their first unit, obviously, when you consider Alex Ovechkin on the left side. Evgeny Kuznetsov has had an extended run as his center, and Tom Wilson filling out that first unit. Jacob Vrana, who's gone a little bit quiet, is the left winger on the second line. Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie filling out the Kalman in the top six here. Brendan Dillon is working with John Carlson, who's kind of slowed down a little bit offensively of late, but still head and shoulders above the rest of the league when you consider scoring from the back end. Dmitry Orlov and Nick Jensen filling out the top four on defense. Michael Kempney, a credible option as well when it comes to rare scoring upside on the back end. Braden Holtby has picked up of late two goals, uh, four goals against in total in his last two games played after a bit of an up and down run. Maybe he's getting his act together to get ready for the postseason. That's when the veterans kind of step it up a notch, and that might be happening here. In terms of what's happened recently, this team went 1-1-1 last week. They lost in a shootout last night in Buffalo, but Holtby, as I mentioned, had a fine outing, 24 goals, 24 saves on 26 shots, rather. Alex Ovechkin receding for his 48th goal of the year in line, possibly for another Rocket Richard trophy. Uh, Dmitry Orlov picking up the other goal there. 
mentioned earlier in the season before it was on that we would hear something from Richard Panic in this mix and he's bolstering a third scoring line with six point week last week ably uh, aided by Nick Dowd who had four points of his own Holtby had been inconsistent prior to his last six uh, last two starts but uh, seems to be turning it around of late we'll see if he can keep that up going forward I think they're going to give this guy a run to see if he can get his game in in, uh, order before the postseason uh, settles uh, upon us Ilya Samsonov not faring much better and that's why uh, they're giving Roholpi some rope I think right now Uh, Samsonov 11 goals against in his last three games played Uh, it's his worst stretch of the year he had been really in lockdown mode uh, for much of his rookie campaign Jakob Brana I mentioned he's losing some playing time of late year in the top six might give way to other options as he's only got one point in his last five games played I think Panic is is possibly the guy that moves in in his place so I say watch out for him because of that recent run despite limited minutes in that regard in terms of the depth chart here uh, we look for uh, the the power play setup is one that's worth mentioning to take a look at the mix here and that features of course Alex Ovechkin on the back end they're still keeping Vrana in the mix but I wonder with his recent performance if that could be he could be replaced uh, by somebody else there and they split up Kuznetsov and Backstrom centering the the first and second lines it's Backstrom on the first line Kuznetsov on the second one to kind of spread the wealth Ilya Kovalchuk is getting a look on that second power play unit and uh, of course the feature is Ovechkin on that first unit from the point position you know here where he likes to line up on the off wing on the boards and uh, get that get that uh, feature featured one timer unloaded as often as possible the Winnipeg Jets round out our look as they do every week, and uh, we will start with what they did last week, a 2-0 two, two record last night in Arizona. They added another victory to the mix in their po- push to the postseason. It's on the back of Hunter Hallibuck, who registered the win again. Ehlers, Pullman, Eakin, and Shifley getting the goals here. Uh, look at Hallibuck's played lights out of late. Uh, receding for three wins in a row and one shutout allowing only three goals against in his last three games played and uh, holding the fort there as he has all season long should be in the Vezina conversation in my estimation up front Cal Connor continues to be among the hottest skaters in the league with six goals and two assists in his last five games played before last night when he added another goal to that mix Josh Morrissey played two games and added a point after missing four games. Now has three points in his last four games played and 30 on the season. That's one less than a career high that he set last year. And finally, a note here, Patrick Liney quietly on pace for a career best in points, but his goal production is less than his assists, so nobody's noticing that uh, that total overall, and he's not getting the press clippings that he was used to in the first two couple of years of his career, but uh, not, that's not to say he isn't becoming a more complete player in that regard. The way it lines up is uh, on the first line, Kyle Connor, Shifley, and Wheeler. Uh, they got Wheeler and Shifley back together again. That's because Eakin has been holding down the fort with some, some style on the second line. Patrick Liney and Nikolai Ehlers are buddies flanking him on that second grouping. Morrissey and Dylan DeMello on that ter- first pairing. DeMello coming over from San Jose, bolstering that depth of that group. You knew that was going to be addressed at some point this season, and he's been part of the answer. Dmitry Kulikov and Neil Pionk, who's really been the linchpin defensively, uh, offensively from the back end for this team, holding the fort when you consider the fact that, you know, they dealt with the Bustin, uh, Dustin Bufflin situation and the likes of Biteto, Niku, and Spisa on the sidelines. Uh, this, this has been a makeshift defensive complement, and it merely underscores just how good Connor Hallibuck has had to be that the fact the team is in playoff contention at this late stage of the season. 
The Winnipeg Jets power play, obviously they can trot out some skill, high-end skill when you feature Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor, and Liney all together. And Pionk is the, the power play quarterback of record who has had a fine year and a, uh, no longer a surprise in DFS play. I think you got to put this guy in the lineup when he gets favorable matchups, and he has been a very good scorer all season long. Now that brings us over to the Rotowire lineup optimizer and our look ahead at tonight's games. Of course, the feature tilt for me, the Tampa Lightning coming to Toronto and uh, the Lightning kind of limping into town. So you wonder if that might, this might be an opportunity to turn some Leafs loose in the mix. But the optimizer goes the other way, rather, and uh, looks at the likes of Braden Point to be a centerpiece of this offense, paying $7,300 to get him in at center. They partner him with Nico Hishu, who I panned a little bit earlier on. He's now lo- only a $4,600 value. And I think you got to consider jumping on that because he still has all that offensive upside, though it's a tough matchup against Pittsburgh tonight. David Pasternak, look, at any time this guy suits it up, you got to consider him, but I'm not sure I would against Philadelphia. The optimizer doesn't hesitate, though, and sp- spends $8,900 on him. And they do the same thing with Nikita Kucherov in a, in a game that I think the Lightning might be in for a bit of surprise against the Leafs, but the optimizer goes the other way and puts $8,300 down on him. Ricard Raquel, I mentioned him. Uh, in the Anaheim mix, and he is a good play, I think, tonight against Ottawa for $5,600. Jack Hughes, another sneaky DFS cheap play against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, if DJ, if uh, AJ hears about this lineup, he's not going to be too thrilled with two Devils in the mix, and then you've got a third one when you consider P.K. Subban as being added for $4,000 on the back end, but he's playing some of his best hockey of the season of late. Shea Weber rounds out the a compliment from the back end, $4,600. I think that's a great value play when you consider he's going to be a little bit more up for the game against his former mates from Nashville. And in the Nets, if Carey Price gets the start, he's going to be the Rotowire uh, lineup optimizer goalie of record. Right now, we're not sure about that situation. So circle back on that one before you make a commitment. For me, I'm going to line it up as follows. I'm going to go with Elias Pettersson, $6,500 for the Vancouver Canucks against the Islanders, part of a Vancouver stack tonight. I don't like the way the Islanders have played defensively of late, and I think the Canucks have a dynamic enough team that uh, they can make them pay for this visit this evening. Sebastian Ajo, I talked about him being a centerpiece for the Carolina offense. They should feast on the Detroit Red Wings tonight, so I'm happy to put him in the mix. And I like uh, Zach Hyman for the Maple Leafs against Tampa tonight. I think he's going to be riding shotgun with two guys who the Leafs pin their hopes on offensively. And at $4,800, I jump on that to get this first liner in the mix. The hottest Leaf of them all, Willie Nylander gets another pick for me. $6,500 is the price tag. So uh, low value when you consider, low price tag rather, when you consider the, the scoring that he's been doing of late. And I think he gets a chance to continue tonight against that depleted Tampa roster. Jason Zucker, I spoke about his upside. As long as he plays with Sidney Crosby, he's got to be a consideration. And when they play against the New Jersey Devils, you've got to consider possibly stacking them, uh, stacking the pens tonight if you want to look at another lineup situation. I round the offensive compliment up with Jamie Benz inclusion and uh, I think he's been one of the hotter scoring players on Dallas. I expect a shootout here as they got a visit from the Rangers tonight, so it'll be a departure from the defensive structure that Dallas has been all about this season when the the Rangers kind of uh, tempt them into a run-and-gun type of game that I think will happen. I pick Shea Weber tonight, $4,600. I agree with the optimizer. I think this is a time when you put the the Habs captain in the lineup and look for a big night. I spoke of Alex Edler being a linchpin to the 
Vancouver offense from the back end, $4,200, a cheap value for him at four, uh, in the matchup against the visiting Devils. And I round out this team, of course, with another player from Vancouver. The goalie of choice is likely to be Thatcher Demko, and I get him for a cheap $7,200. Okay, look, folks, I, uh, I miss my partner, AJ, but I know he's off for the best of reasons, and I wish him the best outcome possible there with a happy and healthy baby girl. I understand is on the way. So to him and Jessica, this uh, I dedicate this program to you guys and wish you a great outcome and look forward to hearing the news in that regard. That wraps up uh, this episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. Our next episode is tentatively scheduled to take place next week, and I don't know if I'm doing that solo or I might have a special guest from uh, Las Vegas. Nudge, nudge, hint, hint, uh, real kid poker. I'll throw that out there as a possibility. Please send your comments or questions on Twitter to follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24 as as always, we invite you to listen into podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning. So long, everybody. 